Let's uh, take our Bibles, go to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're looking at lessons of faith. And uh, we started a few weeks ago, then it was gone last week, but we started looking at this thought. We'll, look, we'll read verses 1 through 4 uh, to begin. Uh, we've looked at verses 1 through 3 the last couple of weeks, and we'll now uh, kind of shift just a little bit as the, the focus of the chapter changes. Hebrews 11, verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. I'm just going to go ahead and say this right, right up front. I always knew that that clock was wrong. <laughs> I knew it. It's a, it's a conspiracy. You get up to preach and time seems to go, for the preacher it goes very quickly. For those of you sitting out there, it seems to go slowly. Now it's payback time, amen. So I have no idea what time it will be when we get out, because I don't know what time it is now, but anyway. Faith, it's one of those topics we talk a lot about as believers, we mention it, but how much do we really understand about faith? In this chapter, which is God's, His chapter on faith, it's the one that, uh, as we look at it, we, we saw the last couple of weeks, uh, that, that faith is substance. We saw that verse 1, uh, faith produces substance. There ought to be something tangible as a result of your faith. Amen? Amen? And it's not just something that, that we talk about, it's, it's something that uh, is tangible. Then faith is the evidence. The results of our faith prove our faith. So we can't prove faith. Well, here it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What's evidence? That's what you produce in a courtroom so that a verdict can be displayed. The only reason that there comes a verdict with a, in a trial is because somebody produced enough evidence to make their point. That's what faith is. It should produce substance that gives the evidence. And then we saw last of all that faith is dependence on God. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith is us taking God at his word. Faith is not just I believe, it's faith is I will because I believe. In this chapter, we looked in Romans 1.17, it's a verse we looked at over and over again. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And that describes the Christian life. We do go from one moment of faith to the next. Aren't you glad you had enough of faith to get saved? Amen? And aren't you glad it didn't take a lot of faith? Like a little child, Jesus said. Just enough faith to believe God, what He said about His Son and about our sin and about the sacrifice that was made, and we accepted that. Now we look in verse number 4, look at it again. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. In our chapter now, in verses 1 through 3, we see God lays out a doctrinal statement and is the foundation of faith. Through, through these verses, we see God is challenging us to just trust Him. 
Now, verse number 4 of the Hebrews 11, things change. It shifts. It goes from the theological to the practical. And by the way, your, your personal faith needs to do that. Amen. We need to learn some things from the Scriptures, but as we see in the rest of the chapter, those that had faith, it moved them to action. Something happened because of their faith. Verses 1 through 3 describe the doctrine. Beginning in verse 4, we see examples of the doing. What has your faith caused you to do this week? Verses 1 through 3 make statements. Verses 4 through 40 show us examples of those who lived what the statement said. They lived those truths. And so we're going to look here in the life of, of Abel. We'll go rather quickly because of our time. And I, I, I know what time it is, I think. I think my watch is right. And uh, I was preaching last Sunday night in my home church in Troy, Ohio, where I grew up. And, and their clock in the back, because of where it was positioned, the, the lights reflected off of it. And I couldn't see it. And it's like, I can't even read that clock, so I'm going to ignore it. I was about halfway through my message when I realized there was a clock in the pulpit. <laughs> right in the top. Like, okay, I just set my Bible over it and ignored it. But anyway, <laughs> just, it worked great. Verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. The first thing we learned from the life of Abel, of course you understand who he was, all right? He was uh, the, one of the, the children of, of uh, Adam and Eve. I believe he and, and uh, Cain were twins. I don't have time to look at all that right now. We may look at it a little bit later in the message. Uh, but they did come to the point of offering their own sacrifice at the same time. They came to the same age of doing that. But from the life of Abel, we see here that by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. The first thing we learn from Cain, or Abel about faith is this. Faith produces sacrifice. In Hebrews 12, you're there in chapter 11, just turn over a page or so. Look at verse number 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Isn't it interesting that God uses Abel as a contrast to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary? Abel's blood was Abel's offering was a blood sacrifice and it was like the other sacrifices in the Old Testament um, none of those sacrifices ever took away sin and, and I've heard some in their dispensational teaching and I'm a dispensationalist but salvation has always been in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ there's one gospel amen, amen? and so those Old Testament sacrifices did not take away sin but they are pictures. Look, if you will, to chapter 10 of Hebrews. In verse number 1. And we'll read down through verse number 12. Hebrews 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. For those that believe those Old Testament sacrifices saved them. That verse says it doesn't. 
You know, I, I love the Word of God. It, God does say what He means, and He means what He says. Look at verse 5. Wherefore, when He cometh into the world, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou prepared me, hast thou prepared me. It's interesting, Jesus said, okay, we've had all the sacrifices. So, but when I came into the world, he's talking about the Father prepared him a body. What for? For a sacrifice. That's why Jesus had to come in the flesh. Because there had to be a real physical sacrifice on Calvary. Verse number six, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Now think of that, the whole nation of Israel every year would do all those different sacrifices and God says, I have no pleasure in that. Uh, in fact, you go back and we won't look at it, but back in Exodus, I believe it's chapter 24, when, when Moses put the blood on the altar and he said, you know, he, he told the people all the words God had said and the people said, all that the Lord hath said will we do. And after he told the sacrifices, so then he built an altar, he, he sacrificed it, put the blood on sprinkled the blood on the altar, sprinkled the people with the blood. And again they said, all that the Lord had said will we do. And Moses in the next verse says, behold the blood of the covenant. He was saying it's not what you do. It's the sacrifice, meaning of Christ. It's not, blood, it's not what we do, it's what Jesus did. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's why in Revelation it says about Christ that he was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. Just think on that one a minute. Before God ever said, let there be light in the mind of God, Jesus had already died for sin. Amen? So he goes on here in verse number uh, 7. Then said I, lo I, am come in the uh, lo, I am come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O Lord. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I am come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hallelujah for that. That every priest, and every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 3 tells us that, the, look at it, this is the key. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. The purpose of the Old Testament sacrifices was to remind us we're sinners and we need a Savior. That's all they were. They were a reminder. Anybody ever put out reminders? You know, put little notes somewhere and, you know, little post-it notes everywhere. I, I bought these little post-it notes that actually wrap around the handle of your briefcase so that when you pick up your briefcase, you can have whatever notes there. I forget to use them. They're still in the drawer on my desk. You know, just... Every time you, you know, string on your finger, what's that there for? But, you know, just... There's a reminder. Verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Verse 24 of chapter 12, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The sacrifice that Cain gave, that, that Abel gave, I'm sorry, was a contrast to what Cain did. Cain brought the best of the fruit. Of the ground, what he produced as a farmer. Abel brought a blood sacrifice. 
What a contrast. It's not what we can produce, what we can grow, what we can make happen. But it is instead what Jesus has done. I've often said there are only two religions in the world, do and done. Religion says you've got to do something to merit the favor of God or it is already done and we receive it by grace. Amen. And and, and look at 1 John. We were just there. 1 John 3. Look at verse number 12. 1 John 3. Verse number 12. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. There was a difference. God used Abel to show a contrast between two different ways of looking at life and looking at being uh, trying to get right with God. Go back to Hebrews 11, if you will, verse number 4. Our text verse. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. When those two boys came to the point of bringing their sacrifices, it says in Genesis 4, 3, that in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Both men brought offerings. Both men built altars. God accepted one, he rejected the other. God did not reject Cain because of the the altar. And he did not accept Abel because of the altar. He accepted one and rejected the other because of the content of the sacrifice. Abel brought a sacrifice, Cain brought an offering. Abel understood that for him to be right with God, it required a sacrifice, a, 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 a payment so large that it hurt, it cost. What did it cost? It cost the life of the animal that he slew. And as we said early in Hebrews chapter 10, that is a picture of what Jesus Christ did. It wasn't his good works that saved us. That was the fact that he was perfect meant that he was qualified to be the sacrifice. But it was the fact that he did lay down his life for us. He shed his blood. That blood is now on the altar in heaven. That's what Hebrews tells us. And it's still there, by the way. Hallelujah. We see that example. Go to, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. We see this in the life of David. Begin in verse number 18. Genesis, uh, 2 Samuel 24, 18. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arnon of uh, the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded, and Arnon looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Arnon went out and bowed himself before the king on his face to the ground. And Arnon said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. 
And Aaron said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good to him. Behold, uh, here be oxen for the burnt sacrifice and the threshing instruments and other instruments of the, the oxen for wood. And all these things did Aaron as the king give unto the king. And Aaron said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Aaron, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So, God, so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land in a plague that was stayed upon Israel. Here's a principle. David came to this threshing floor and, and, and the men who owned it said, I'll give it to you. He said, no, I'm going to buy it. Because when I make an offering to the Lord, I want it to be a sacrifice. I want what I'm doing in faith to cost me something. What does your faith cost you? So many of us, we live the Christian life where uh, if it's convenient, we will do it. I found most of us do exactly what we want to do. We don't do anything we don't want to. And it's easy to live the Christian life where it looks good on the outside, but in truth, our faith did not really cost us anything. We as Americans, we are so spoiled. We have no idea how, how it is in other places where they don't have all the, the wealth that we have and the conveniences. You know, when I was in Papua New Guinea, one of the things that struck me, uh, just you saw it every day, was folks that really have nothing, yet were willing to give whatever they had so they could serve God. The preacher, one of the, one of the churches that came to the, the first week we were there, um, that, but that big youth conference in the capital city, one church and their youth group and their pastor walked uh, for two days through the bush to get to a place where they could get on a bus and travel nine hours to come to the services. And yet we as believers will live five miles from church and can't make it to Sunday school on time. Why? Because we're so busy with other things. Our Christianity oftentimes is just added on. Abel's faith produced a sacrifice. Pastor's been talking about the possibility of us uh, having a different property where we have more room. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Amen. To get the church and the school in one location. You realize that won't happen without sacrifice? Faith produces sacrifice. It's not sacrifice if it didn't cost you anything. Think about this. You were not an afterthought to God. It cost him his son to save you. Hebrews tells us that we can come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. Think about that. It cost God his son's blood so you might be, a re might be redeemed and might have the privilege to pray. Yet you and I, how often do we think of prayer as a sacrifice? It was to God. Faith produces sacrifice. Abel shows us in his faith that he, it, it brought sacrifice. Go back to Hebrews 11, please. As we're, um, and we're doing well. Uh, I think we'll get through everything. I think. Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Faith produces sacrifice, but faith provides a witness. 
The faith of Abel caused him to make a sacrifice to God. The sacrifice was a result of his faith. It was, as we heard in the first three verses, the evidence of his faith. But his faith now provides, it says he obtained witness that he was righteous. His faith was noticed by others. Think about this. His faith was noticed by the writer of the Hebrews. Then we understand that the writer of the Hebrews, whoever it was, we don't know for sure. Some think it was Paul. Some think it was Apollos. I have a preacher friend think, say, if it wasn't those two, it was John R. Rice. One of those three had to do it. You know, Brother Rice wrote about 200 bucks. But the writer of the Hebrews noticed Abel's sacrifice, and it was a witness of his faith. It's been noticed by Bible students throughout the ages. We read through the Word of God, and we see what, what the, the, the faith of Abel caused him to do, and that became a witness to us. Okay, that's evidence that he had faith. We look at it today. We know of the faith of Abel because he offered a sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. What do people know of your faith? Has your faith cost you anything? And we do not do what we do for God to be seen of men. Paul tells us that in the book of Galatians. But we, when we act in faith, it will be seen of men. Isn't that not what Jesus said when he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the purpose of being a light. In a dark world, when people have, have no faith, they don't understand what's going on, they're troubled by everything going on, when they see a believer who acts in faith, it gives them a reason to notice. Think of Acts 16 when uh, the Apostle Paul and, and, and was in prison and, and, and Silas was there with him and, and, and they were beaten and locked in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the very next verse says, and the prisoners heard them. Why do you think after the earthquake and, and when, when the prison board doors were opened, when the, the, the guard came in, the keeper of the prison, he fell down at Paul and Silas' feet and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why did he do that? He had seen some evidence, some witness of their faith. Amen. They weren't there griping. They weren't going on their Twitter account and their Facebook page griping. Man, we can't believe we're in prison. We were doing right. No, they didn't do that. They just sang praises unto God. See, our faith, it'll produce a sacrifice that will then provide a witness. Uh, go to Hebrew, I'm sorry, Acts 4, if you will. Acts 4. Look at another quick example, and then we'll go to the next thought. Acts 4. One of my favorite Bible characters is mentioned here. And it's a man by the name of Barnabas. Look at verse 36, Acts 4. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's interesting, this is the very first time you hear about Barnabas. Now, you're going to hear a lot about him throughout the rest of the New Testament. What an influential man. I wish we had time to talk about him. Uh, and when you hear about Barnabas or Joseph, Preacher, the reason we hear about him is because of his sacrifice that the church knew about. He had a bunch of property. He sold it and gave the money to church. 
Why? So they could do what they needed to do. And it was so noticed that God wrote it down. It's so noticed by the apostles, they changed his name. I have a message I preach on that. He was average Joe. And he became Barnabas. And he changed. The third time you hear about him mentions when he brought an offering from Antioch back to Judea to help the believers that were suffering because of the dearth. His life was about sacrifice. He was committed to helping the financial needs of, of the believers there in Jerusalem. You know, as the church goes forward and grows, every one of us will have to make sacrifices. It's an evidence of our faith, but it's a witness of our faith. I've heard one preacher say, and I don't remember who I heard say it, it's so long ago, but you do not build a church on spare time and pocket change. It takes sacrifice, and that sacrifice will produce a witness. Uh, back in Hebrews 11, it says about Abel, Hebrews 11, 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Here's the thought. His, his faith produced a witness that was noticed by others, but his faith was not shared by Cain. Now think about it. They were raised in the same home, had the same parents. Two most perfect parents that have ever lived. Because they were perfect at one time. They were the first to sin. People will talk about, it. oh, it's environment. No, it's choice. And his faith was not shared by Cain. Um, we talked about it a little bit, a little bit ago in, in Genesis 4, verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought, a fruit, brought the, of the fruit of the ground in offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the first things of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Cain brought the best of what he could do. Abel brought the best of what God had given. That was the difference. Verse number 7 of, of Genesis 4 is an amazing verse. If thou doest well, thou shalt thou not be accepted. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here God is giving Cain a second chance. Cain got mad about not, God not accepting his offering. He was saying sin lieth at the door. And as you study through that, most believers and most scholars believe that means the sin offering was at the door. In fact, the word sin and sin offering are the same in, Hebrews, in the Hebrew language. There are, more, there are more sheep out there. There are more lambs. More offerings could be made. What's God saying? You could have another chance, Abel or Cain, if you want to have the right at sacrifice. But Cain did not respond to that. How many of us got saved on the first time we heard the gospel? Aren't you glad God's gracious to give us multiple opportunities? He did not respond. How did Cain respond to that second opportunity from God? He killed his brother. So why are you bringing that up? Because there are going to be some that this will be their response to your faith. They will mock it. When they see what you do in faith, they'll say, You're foolish. They will say to you, I don't understand what you're doing. You know, think about your family. Well, you are thinking about your family. You'd rather have the will of God than the, the wishes of men. But there will be some that won't agree with you. They might even get mad at you. Think about it. Here's Abel doing what God said to do, and his brother got so angry with him, he was the first murderer. Killed him over it. Over what? Abel's act of faith and God's response to it. Faith provides a witness. Look back in Hebrews 11, 4. 
By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. His faith was noticed by God. Think about that. God looked down and said, okay, I see you. I see what you're doing. That ought to encourage you. God knows what you do for him. Nobody else may know of your sacrifice, but God doesn't miss it. He understands. God even took time. It says in verse number four, and Abel also he brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, um, and, and this is back in Genesis, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. God took time to write in his Bible about the faith of Abel and his sacrifice. God always notices when we serve him, and he always notices when we sacrifice for him. Quickly, and I don't have time to give you this one in detail. Back in Hebrews 11, 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Notice the last part of the verse. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Faith perpetuates for generations. Abel's dead but we're still talking about his faith. He's dead, but we're still influenced by his faith. David said in Psalm 71, 18, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. We won't, we won't look at the passage, but write down this reference, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7. What, a, what an amazing chapter. Psalm 78, 1 through 7. Verse number four, it's someone I'll read. I'll read verses four and six. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful work that he hath done. He's talking about the wonderful things God's done for us. We're not going to hide those. We're going to show it to the next generation and the one following that. I love being a grandfather. I love watching my grandchildren grow in faith. I love preaching in a setting where my grandchildren are there. I wish I had time to tell you what happened last Sunday night. It was amazing uh, with responses of my grandkids. Verse number six, that the generation to come might know them, what, the things God's done. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Let me ask you a question. What kind of spiritual legacy are you leaving for your children? We talk about what kind of inheritance we're going to give them. Uh, when my dad finally goes to heaven, and he's praying he'll be at the rapture, not at the, not going by the way of the undertaker. He's looking for the upper taker. But when dad leaves this life and goes to the next, he's not going to leave us a lot of money. But he's left us a spiritual heritage that has affected my grandchildren. The decisions we make individually, the decisions we make as a church, will continue for generations. You realize what we do here at church, the things we build, the things we improve, it's not for us. It's for that next generation, the one after them. Lessons of faith we learn from Abel. Faith produces sacrifice. My faith should cost me something. Faith provides a witness. It'll be noticed by others. It will not be shared by everyone, but it will be noticed by God. And faith perpetuates for generations. My faith should cause others to serve God long after I'm gone. Your faith should outlive you. 
from, from Hebrews 11, we learn from, from Abel how to have faith that outlives us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for the example of, of Abel. May we learn to have the kind of faith that is noticed by you and by the world around us. May we have a faith that continues. May we have a faith that sacrifices so that your work can be done and that the generations to come might give glory to your name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.